Craft distilling is a huge business. Small distillers are experiencing a renaissance of sorts as small distilleries have sprung up all over the country. Many of these are not actually distilled by the producer. They're bought in bulk and altered or blended before bottling. You can't judge the alcohol by the old-timey label. Oregon Spirit Distillers in Bend, Oregon is the real deal. I spoke with owner Brad Irwin about his company, his passion, and the craft. I'm Trevor Collins, and this is Times Like Now. Thank you, Brad Irwin, for joining me here. Uh, Trevor, I really appreciate you inviting me. So we're speaking with Brad Irwin, the owner, master distiller of Oregon Spirit Distillers out of Bend, Oregon. Tell me a little bit about your background, Brad, as a distiller. Um, when and where and how did you get into the distilling of spirits game? Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, Oregon Spirit Distillers uh, started in at the end of 2008. Um, but I had been home distilling for a couple years prior to that. Um, when I started home distilling, I was just looking for a hobby. I wasn't really looking to open a business or, or be a distillery owner. Um, I was a bartender. Um, I had a, uh, a passion for spirits, uh, more than beer and wine. Um, and I liked, I really spent some time studying what made different whiskeys, different and why their flavor profiles are different. And as a bartender, if you sat down and said, Hey Brad, what's the difference between Irish and Scotch whiskey? I could, you know, pull out six or seven bottles and we could do a tasting flight or something like that. And, and that's, that's really where my passion for, uh, spirits, um, came from, uh, was that, um, and living in central Oregon, kind of home distilling. My wife and I sold a business, and we were looking for you know the next phase in our life, and we looked around, and Central Oregon has all of the the resources you need to make great whiskey. It has uh, uh, access to fantastic grain. You know, all the uh, we're in the high desert, and all the all the the grain around here is is uh, it's it's fantastic. Some of the best grain in the, the world, and likewise for our water is fantastic. Um, um, and then uh, the people that live in Central Oregon are passionate about uh, beverage and making great, you know, both beer and and spirit. And those three things are, are what you need to, to make great whiskey. Um, and here we are today. That's a, a great mom and pop uh, small business story. I love to hear that. Tell me a little bit about what does farm to bottle mean? Uh, that's great. Um so our whiskeys, the, the agriculture of Oregon is really an important part of, of why we make whiskey in the first place. Um, and so uh, we work with, uh, uh, actually a guy I went to high school with, and um, he grows 85% of the grain um, that we use uh, for our products. Um, the other 15% still come from Oregon, but, um, but we use a different vendor. Um, and, uh, so, um, and then once, so once it leaves the farm, uh, we, um, uh, we do all the, the, you know, the mashing, the distilling, um, the, the fermentation, the distilling, and, uh, then it, the uh, maturation. So I, I really think that what that means is, is, is we made the whiskey. That's, that's what we're trying to, trying to indicate as opposed to purchasing it. Now your, uh, your refuse or the leftovers, does that go back to the farms? 
it does. It, uh, it goes to a different guy, but um, we have uh, a cattle farmer um, who comes and uh, it, that's an important part of the agricultural uh, story as well. So, so when we're done, the, the waste from the distillation process is um, it's, you know, it's not insignificant. Uh, we generate about uh, 2000 liters a day, which is uh, uh, five, 600 gallons, maybe 500 gallons perhaps uh, of hot waste that still has use to somebody. And so um, we have a farmer who comes and takes it and he feeds it to his cattle. The cattle love it. Um, so, and it's free to him. Uh, we don't, we only expect he brings back clean vessels. Um, and uh, so we're responsible for feeding uh, about 24 head of cattle uh, is about how much food we put out um, every day. So That is great to hear. I like to hear uh, that uh, reusing and upcycling or recycling as it would be. So whiskeys, tell me a little bit about the difference. Uh, I've, I've always heard that claim or that phrase that all bourbons are whiskey, but not all whiskeys are bourbon. What is bourbon specific? Um, well, let me, uh, if I could take it from the other approach, whiskey is uh, spirits made from many countries in the world, made from grain and barrel aged. And then within that whiskey, there are kind of subcategories. There's Irish whiskey and Scotch whiskey, Canadian whiskey, and American whiskey. So there's four different categories within American whiskey. Um, uh, there are some categories too. And bourbon is a specific type of American whiskey. Um, so because it's American whiskey, we know that it has to be barrel aged for at least two years. Um, it can't be distilled at a proof higher than 160 and it has to be made from grain. Uh, and the barrels used for American whiskey have to be American white oak and they should never have been used before. Bourbon is a particular type of American whiskey. Um, and in addition to uh, being aged for at least two years, distilled at 160 proof or less, addition, additionally, it has to uh, be made of at least 51% corn and can contain other cereal grains, typically uh, barley and rye. And then some producers also use wheat. Um, and at Oregon Spirit, uh, we have what's called the four grain bourbon, um, which is mostly corn. Uh, rye and barley and a little bit of wheat as well. So it's a recipe then. So I've always heard uh, some of the Puritans say that if it doesn't come from Kentucky, it's not bourbon. Now, if I remember correctly, Oregon Spirit is the first bourbon made in Oregon. Is that right? I believe that is true. Yes. Yep. Um, how, however, we did not pave the way to have bourbon be allowed outside of Kentucky. Uh, I believe it was 1958, Congress ratified um, uh, a statute that um, at the, prior to the, that ratification, Ken, uh, Kentucky was the only state that could produce it. But in uh, 1958, they allowed um, other states to produce it, uh, to produce bourbon, um, although it does have to be produced in the United States. Um, and I believe now that uh, about 60% of the Bourbon produced in the United States is still from Kentucky. However, 40% uh, comes from uh, uh, states uh, throughout um, uh, throughout the Union. 
you've done quite a bit to Im improve or I should say establish Oregon's um, reputation. I understand you've been winning awards almost since day one for what you've been producing and you're self-taught distiller, correct? Um, yes. Yeah. Um, you didn't go to school. You didn't go to a, a, a college to learn this. You're just doing it out of your home. Yep. Yep. We started that way. And, um, uh, I think it would be a, a lot easier to go to school and learn it. There's it's, uh, sometimes learning can be expensive, uh, if you're, if you're doing it, uh, the hard way by yourself. Um, but, um, and, and there are some great, great schools as well. Um, but yes, a lot of self-education, um, lot of, um, uh, reading, um, and then a lot of touring. Um, uh, I think one of the greatest ways to learn how to, to do something is to go places where, where it's done. And, um, I was, uh, in Kentucky a month ago and, and took every opportunity I could to see how others are doing it. And, and rarely do I go to a city and not try and find a distillery and learn from, from what they've, they've figured out. And, um, but also, um, you know, we've, we've hired, um, distillers with degrees before and, and they're, they're smart and there's a lot you can learn. Um, but when you walk into a facility, every facility is different and, and, uh, you have to learn, learn how that, uh, that operates. So tell me a little bit about the whiskeys that you're producing. Um, the names of each of them, uh, yeah. how many different ones now? Um, we have three in market and there is in two years, there will be a fourth. We have another one that's in barrel. Um, we, our biggest selling product is Oregon spirit bourbon for a while. And Trevor, you probably remember, um, we, uh, it was under the name CW Irwin and, um, we made a slight recipe change about four years ago. We brought the proof up and decided to, um, uh, call all of our whiskeys Oregon spirit instead of having specific family names to it. So Oregon spirit bourbon, uh, it's about 50% of our production. Uh, this year we put, put away 250 barrels of it. Um, um, so four years from now, uh, we'll have access to 250 barrels. Um, we also make, uh, award-winning, uh, uh, wheat whiskey called Oregon spirit wheat whiskey. And in, that has no corn in it. It's just wheat, rye and barley. Uh, so it's a little less sweet than bourbon. Um, uh, it's a little bit more approachable. Wheat is just a fantastic grain to work with and has great flavor profiles. Um, and then we have a rye whiskey as well, Oregon spirit rye. Um, and that is a hundred percent rye. So it is all, uh, no other grains, uh, involved in it. Um, uh, so has plenty of those rye flavor profiles. It has sort of a medicinal quality, like uh, a typical rye does, um, a little bit of clove flavor profiles. Um, and, uh, and then and we have barrels down um, for a malt whiskey that you'll see in a couple of years. Um, Looking forward to that, definitely. Um, in addition to whiskey, you also do others. You do vodka, you do an absinthe as well, and you do uh, fruit cordials, which were very unique. Uh, what is a, exactly, a, a, what is a cordial If for people who may not know? Um, a cordial is um, uh, also known as a liqueur. Um, so it's got a little bit of sugar in it. Um, and a fruit cordial would uh, have fruit. 
Um, right now, there's nothing that we do on the market that's a cordial. Sometimes you'll find some in our tasting room as a fun uh, 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 one-off project. Um, um, we do, do quite a bit of gin as well. Uh, we, we released Oregon Spirit uh, gin two and a half years ago. Um, and it's a dry gin. It's beautiful. It's balanced. It's uh, got plenty of juniper, a little bit of coriander, lemon and orange peel, uh, and just a little bit of sage underneath it. And it is, it's a fantastic spirit at a time when gin is, is being revived by a lot of people, um, which is fantastic. So, um, and you mentioned the, the absinthe and uh, we released absinthe 11 years ago and uh and that's a great spirit um at the time absinthe uh had just become legal again in the united states and it was certainly part of the motivation for me opening oregon spirit i when i realized that if something's been illegal for a hundred years and suddenly it's legal, you should probably make it right. Kind of a, kind of a no brainer there. <laughs> good idea. Good thinking. Yeah. And yeah. And so a little bit about your tasting room yeah. in Bend, Oregon. Yeah. When did the tasting room open? Um, so uh, we moved, so we opened 10 years ago and we had a facility and it was great. Um, uh, 11 years ago, but, um, and then five years ago, as we grew, we needed more space. And so we moved into, a new space on Fourth Street in Bend. I mean, I'm sorry, at, uh, First Street in Bend, and um, it uh, and our distillery tripled in square footage. Um, we have a nice tasting room when, under normal circumstances, um, you know, we've got a little bit of food, um, and you can taste all of our spirits. You can taste all the spirits that are in in, in the Oregon and national market, um, and then you'll also see our tasting room has some specialty spirits that um, we only release through the tasting room. Maybe it's experimental or, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll just, we'll get some fruit and, um, and we won't want to make a lot of something, but, but you'll see some unique things uh, there right now. Um, right now we have a coffee rum that's fantastic. Um, and, and it's great for the season. Um, but we're probably not going to go into the rum business. Um, uh, so, um, so the tasting is a great place to visit. Um, under nor normal circumstances, we also do a facility tour every day. So if you're, you're there at four o'clock or by special appointment, you know, we'll take 30 minutes out of our day and walk you through the facility and you can see the, the things we do. And, and we'll talk about how we do things and why. And, uh, it's a great, it's a great experience. And, um, and through that, uh, it's what's also been great is um, uh, now when I travel, I just like touring places, not even distilleries, but, you know, cheese factories and chocolate manufacturing. And I, I just think it's fun to learn how things are made. And, and uh, well, that's part of the fun of traveling is is getting out and eating the food and drinking and meeting the people. And yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Where have you been uh, doing this kind of thing, traveling for your? Um, uh, I was in Delaware recently, um, and um, and took a day in Philadelphia to walk around. Uh, that was great. Um, Indianapolis uh, recently, um, Louisiana. 
Now, are you are you putting your uh, your liquors on the shelves in these places? Or is yep. that part of your agenda for going out there? Yep. So we are in um, our distribution. Uh, we are in the state of Oregon, which is a control state that you know, and and uh, and we're in most stores in Oregon. And a couple years ago, we got picked up by a great partner um, that you may or may not know. Uh, it's a company called Total Wine, and yes, I've heard of them for sure. Eighteen states. They're they're a fantastic partner in that their stores are really nice. Their selection is amazing. Um, and they took us from, uh, you know, our, our small footprint, um, and then just just throughout, um, uh, you know, most of, most of the States in the union. And, um, uh, they're, they're very fair to us. Um, and then they give us the opportunity to self promote and encourage us to go into these markets. And so, we spent a lot of time in Texas and Arizona is a successful market for us. And it, it really, it really helped fit one of our major goals with Oregon spirit. Um, um, I have lived in Oregon, uh, since the eighties and I really believe in or Oregon and I believe in Oregon agriculture. And I really believe that, that what makes us a strong economy is taking the resources of your, of your region and then uh, value adding it and then you know finding a way to sell it outside of your region and that seems to be the way to have a healthy economy and and um, with Oregon Spirit and whiskey that's exactly what we've done is is as we buy Oregon grown grain distill it and let it sit in a barrel for four years and then distribute it outside of the United States or outside outside of uh, Oregon into the rest of the United States. Um, and that seems to be, I mean, that's what, what makes me happy right there. Well, yeah, the, the whiskey has, has really become popular. Uh, again, I would say to a kind of a resurgence, it's never, you know, never lost popularity with me, but I know it has uh, gained some popularity. As you said, gin has recently as well. What would you attribute this kind of, um, revival two for the spirits yep well there's there's a constant cycle between beer wine and spirit and and people you know over a period of time everybody makes cocktails and then people rediscover beer or wine and um so we have seen the uh right now is the you know the this six or seven year period of uh of spirit enthusiasts anyway so all everything is is having um uh you know uh, good exposure and um, and a couple years ago, uh, up to 10 years ago, you know, a lot of these small distilleries started making great, great product. And one of their focuses was naturally gin. Like there was a lot of great gin that was released in the last, you know, 10, eight, six years. And that the category became more interesting, like just more people were putting out great gins and there was more to explore and gins just fantastic anyway. Um, and so that was certainly where the where how gin started to get some enthusiasm and it's you know people are making more cocktails and gin's of course a great uh, great ingredient for it and then also with with whiskey both bourbon fell into favor but right behind that people rediscovered rye and um and you said it yourself it, you know both have been around forever you know it's nothing has changed other than people have, have recognized it. And so, um, 
Yeah. Like you said, I think it is the, the trend and, uh, the, I don't want to say flavor of the week, but you know, in an essence, like you said, from beer, you know, two years, it might be wine and then it might come back to, you know, that kind of cycling of the, the, the consumer and of the, the marketplace. So, yeah, I understand that now. In addition to this, in your tasting room, you, you have a music venue from time to time. Yeah, we do. What, what's happening with your music venue? And of course, uh, during COVID, I'm, I'm sure you're not doing much right now, but tell me about that. Yeah, we did have to cancel uh, nine booked shows that we had um, this summer. and um, But I got a phone call yesterday from my promoter, and um, he is excited that by middle of summer and late summer that, that they're uh, there may be a possibility that that we will be in a healthy state and uh, we'll be allowed to. So we're all hopeful that that's the case. Um, and so if that is the case, uh, we will book, uh, and he's starting to book now some shows. Um, we picked a date for Margot Price, who's great, um, uh, and um, uh, Coulter Wall uh, is going to reschedule. He was one of the people that we had was sold out for last year and got canceled. Um, so we're really excited about it. And I, I mean, we love music and generally like people who like to dance and, um, uh, I'm sure that everybody's ready to, for a concert now. Um, so this is a, uh, what approximately 1200, uh, so, you know, we're kind of fit in that niche of, of, uh, you know, kind of up and coming artists. Um, that uh you know that are still developing their their fans and it's a great size venue to see 1200 1200 people is a you know that might be as many people as i want to be in the same same parking lot with to see a band you're there's not a bat seat in the house it's you're 75 feet from the stage no matter where you are so that sounds great and so um uh so i hope late summer we start to see some shows and and um and it sure feels good to where you normally work uh, to see 1200 people all sort of dancing to the same rhythm uh, instead of. That sounds great. I I hope I can make it to bend come this summer and, and come partake in the, in the, the music venue, as well as your tasting room, you're outside the tasting room with the fireplace is really a a comfortable place to be. And of course I, I'm a big fan of, of your award-winning spirit as well. Um, what is on the horizon or what is new or I guess uh, because of COVID um, uh, people have been staying in and um, making their own cocktails and doing their own uh, consuming by their own fireplaces instead of out in, in the bars and whatnot. Yep. Um, what is new for Oregon spirit and what is new for you? Um, thank you. Uh, we've continued to grow um, and, you know, people did continue to consume spirit so um we continued with our plan which is just to keep making whiskey i did mention there will be in two years there'll be a malt whiskey um uh, which is fantastic and there um is likely i guess uh, this, this this might be the secret getting out uh, announced first on your show um we believe in april that we're going to release uh limoncello um and what is that uh, describe what is that exactly? so it is a it's a lemon based it's lemon peels uh soaked in alcohol and then sugar added it's traditionally italian it is uh, a beautiful uh spirit uh, nice and bright um in flavor and it 
generally, generally it's uh, after dinner, you know, uh, uh, aperitif or digestif, um, and uh, but it's also used as a cocktail ingredient, um, and we're really excited to enter that market, uh, and uh, it will be in Oregon and throughout Total Wine. Um, is that something, what, what kind of cocktail would you use that for? Well, it is the fastest way to make a lemon drop anyway. Like it's just, uh, uh, it's just, just like that. But, uh, with some gin, like a gin Collins, it's a great additive in it when you're, you know, anything that you're putting citrus in, um, floated on like a margarita as well or something like that. Um, uh, so, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's wonderful citrus. And it's got some sweetness to it, um, so it fits in so many places. I mean, it's so often, uh, that's what the bartender's reaching for anyways, citrus and sugar. So so with all of your traveling, uh, you are not uh, the head distiller anymore. You've kind of moved on from that position. Um, who have you entrusted this uh, captain's chair, so to speak? Yeah. Uh, there. Our um, head distiller is uh, a guy by the name of uh, uh, Brandy Peeper. She came to us uh, almost five years ago as uh, we hired her as a production assistant. She has a biology background, um, but she's got a great work ethic and a lot of talent. And she quickly became, uh, it was apparent that her skills uh, uh, were best used as distiller. Um, And then so she was the production distiller for a number of years while I still was the head distiller. And then... Um, uh, as she continued to grow and I continued to grow, um, and, and my involvement was needed in other, other ways, uh, she took the head distiller position. And then, um, we also hired an engineer, uh, Michael May to be the production distiller. Um, it's funny at the beginning of the, at the conversation, um, this in, case you care. Um, we're really careful with the word master distiller. And we, so we refer to ourselves as head distiller and, um, uh, and distillers someday. I hope somebody decides to call me a master distiller, but I have met some master distillers and they generally have 30, 40 years of experience. Well, I, I guess that clarifies things. Thank, thank you for the, for the education on that. Um, I will, I will never call you master distiller. I promise. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's just a personal opinion. I just am careful with it. And, and so, um, uh, just doing my best to respect those who sure so much time in the, yeah. Well, I do think, um, overall Oregon spirit distillers is a, uh, a company with a lot of integrity. You seem to have a great work ethic and I really appreciate your honesty and your forthcoming, uh, meeting with me and talking with me tonight. I want to I want to get down there as soon as possible. Uh, where can people find your website? Yep. So we are Oregon Spirit Distillers dot com, and uh, our physical location is at seven forty Northeast First Street in Bend, Oregon. Lovely Bend, Oregon. Yep. Make a trip. <laughs> yep. And uh, we're in almost every Oregon liquor store. Uh, and certainly if we're not there, the liquor store will bring us in. And then uh, How about Washington stores, uh, all 13 total wines and, um, and then, uh, total, every total wine throughout the nation, um, uh, has our spirit. So thank you again, Brad, um, Brad Irwin, 
owner and uh, head distiller of Oregon Spirit Distillers. Thank you. Thank you for the time. And thank you for tuning in. I'm Trevor Collins. Music is produced by J. Cody Robertson. Be sure to look for more episodes wherever you get your podcasts at times like now. I'll be talking with you next time. <laughs>